This is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So they're the villains, and the opposite is America. Because America is now one big gay disco. Yes, yes, I that's not, that's not evil, being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil. Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about Richard? I can't do it. Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. Don't don't use those kinds of slurs. What? Are there are no slurs here. Definitely, our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That's what they. That's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. Is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Uh, you'd be jerking off to every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello and welcome again to another episode of EMJ Live from beautiful South Bend, Indiana, downtown South Bend, Indiana, where it's cold and miserable out. Uh, the big event of this week, uh, which we can't ignore, is the fact that the uh, Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, or whatever it's called now, the Vatican, was forced to issue a clarification of its document, uh, Fiducia Supplicans, largely because of the huge, I mean huge, reaction to that document, which uh, authorized uh, blessings, a blessing of uh, gay couples, uh, or is that in dispute? Anyway, the, 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 uh, the, the pushback was enormous. And so as a result, they had to issue a clarification. The understandable, this is the clarification, the understandable statements of some Episcopal conferences regarding the document Fiducia Supplicans have made the value of highlighting the need for a more extended period of pastoral reflection. What is expressed by these Episcopal conferences cannot be interpreted as doctrinal opposition 
because the document is clear and definitive about marriage and sexuality. Before he could get the words out of his mouth, the Guild Prophets jumped on this. Uh, John Henry Weston chopped off the quote at doctrinal opposition, calling the claim baloney. Uh, without allowing Fernandez to finish his sentence, which stated that the document is clear and definitive about marriage and sexuality. Is that the case? Uh, This is what it says. There are several indisputable phrases in the Declaration that leave this in no doubt, and this is one of them. Quote, the Declaration remains firm on the traditional doctrine of the Church about marriage, not allowing any type of liturgical rite or blessing similar to a liturgical rite that could create confusion. One acts in these situations of couples in irregular situations without officially validating their status or changing in any way the church's perennial teaching on marriage. Therefore, rites and prayers that could create confusion between what constitutes marriage, which is the, quote, exclusive, stable, and indissoluble union between a man and a woman, naturally open to the generation of children, and what contradicts it are inadmissible. This conviction is grounded in the perennial Catholic doctrine of marriage. It is only in this context that sexual relations find their natural, proper, and fully human meaning. The church doctrine on this point remains firm. I mean, how much firmer can you get? Is it, are, we, are we allowed? Are we allowed? Let me ask John Henry Weston this question. Are we allowed to read this at face value? Are we allowed to accept the text as it's written? Or do we have to consult with John Henry here about what it means before he gets his wor- words out of his mouth? Okay, why didn't John Henry Weston talk about this part of the document? Such is also the meaning of the responsum of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, which states that the church does not have the power to impart blessings on unions of persons of the same sex. That sounds pretty clear to me. For this reason, since the church has always considered only those sexual relations that are lived out within marriage to be morally licit, the church does not have the power to confer its liturgical blessing when that would somehow offer a form of moral legitimacy to a union that presumes to be a marriage or an extramarital sexual practice. Evidently, there is no room to distance ourselves doctrinally doctrinally from this declaration or consider it heretical, contrary to the tradition of the Catholic Church. That sounds pretty clear to me. Uh, the situation, I received an email from a priest who said uh, he's always given blessings to heterosexual couples in irregular situations. Okay? I don't understand. It, it, you're, this, bl- these blessings never condoned the irregularity of the situation. They were always given with the understanding that the grace, that whatever grace came from the blessing, would allow these people to regularize their situation. In other words, to live according to the gospel. It was in no way uh, or any sense uh, considered a term, uh, a sense of approval. All uh, Fernandez is saying is that this is now extended to people who are uh, couples in homosexual relationships which are even more irregular than the heterosexual relationships. Both of these situations are irregular. Now, you can talk about the difference, and I have, about the difference between 
uh, let's say, fornication and sodomy, there's a big difference in terms of the effect that it has on the soul. Uh, and I talked about this in the context of Michael Voris and the completely distorting effect that homosexual behavior had on that man's psyche. Okay. But they're both sinful. They're both mortally sinful. Okay. And mortal means deadly, which means you're dead. Your soul is dead. Okay. <laughs> you can't be dead twice. You can't be killed twice. You can only die once in spite of what uh, James Bond used to say. Okay. Now, why isn't this message getting through to the guild prophets? Uh, they all fell in line uh, behind John Henry Weston by refusing to give an accurate account of fiducia supplicans or the Vatican's sub subsequent clarification. Taylor Marshall referred to FS as, quote, an example of Francis and Fernandez engaging in gaslighting. Now, uh, for those of you who learned English before 2010, gaslighting is a colloquialism loosely defined as making someone question their own perception of reality. The expression which derives from the title of the 1944 film Gaslight became popular in the mid-2010s. Merriam-Webster cites the deception of one of memory, perception, reality, or matter of stability. Okay, I, you know, look, we can't have a we can't have a sophisticated discussion if you're going to use slang words like this. Why is this slang uh, preferable to the clear statement that uh, Fernandez made in the clarification? Why is why is why why am I supposed to take this seriously? I don't know, but apparently he's got a following of people who do take him seriously. Michael Matt referring to FS as referred to the clarification of FS as Fernandez's new doozy. Oh, doozy? What the hell? Doozy? Why are you using slang like that? It comes from the, the car known as the Duesenberg, okay? Why is this uh, discourse to be taken seriously? When you use slang terms like that, there was nothing slangy about the, the document of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. Nothing slangy at all. It was straightforward to the point. And here we got these guild prophets here talking about doozies and gaslighting, okay? Matt ridiculed the claim that the uh, FS did not change the church's teaching on marriage in the following way. Quote, we didn't change the doctrine on marriage. Remember, get off our backs. Well, the sarcasm is not appropriate, Michael. It's really not appropriate because you're, you're pandering to a crowd that has itching ears and you're allowing them to somehow feel superior to the Catholic Church when the Catholic Church is talking straight to people. That was followed by uh, the statement, a blessing is not an endorsement. Duh. What is this? Is this discourse? What is that supposed to mean? Are you saying that the 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 uh, the what we this document said is a blessing? It's not. That's what they said. Why are you ridiculing it? If you disagree with it, why aren't you talking uh, straight back here? The tendentious nature of Matt's commentary indicates a desire not to persuade or enlighten, but to preach to a choir of people with itching ears, as he has been doing for years now. 
Matt's forthrightness has reached its limits, however, uh, when Luis Alvarez Primo asked him at one of his meeting, meeting of his clans uh, why he never talked about Bergoglio's relationship with the Jews. That went nowhere with Michael Matt from a man, uh, the translator of all of my works into Spanish, who is from Buenos Aires, who knows that story inside and out. The story of uh, Bergoglio's relationship to uh, Rabbi Skorkna and so on and so forth, more than I can talk about in this thing. LifeSite News enforced the same line of demarcation separating true Catholics from, quote, Novus Ordo Catholics when it published an article by Alan Fimister, which claimed that to be truly pro-life, one had to, quote, fight anti-Semitism. This outrageous claim prompted me to post a rebuttal on their comm box, which explained that, quote, abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. If pro-lifers fight anti-Semitism, they promote Jewish power. If they promote Jewish power, they are promoting abortion. Why is LifeSite News promoting abortion? That comment got taken down within minutes, if not seconds, uh, of when I posted it, leaving my question unanswered. Okay. Now, what we're having now is pushback to the pushback. And I'm talking specifically about uh, an email I got from Father Brian Harrison, uh, uh, an Australian who was in Rome for years and then in St. Louis for years. Uh, this is what he had to say. The new declaration authorizing the blessings of same-sex and other unmarried cohabiting couples seems to me scandalous in the theological sense of the word, i.e. it is apt to become an occasion of sin for many by causing serious confusion about basic Christian moral teaching and shaking some Catholics' confidence in the papacy. Wait a minute. Nothing that Fernandez said will shake Catholics' confidence in the papacy compared to what Michael Matt and LifeSite News, and Mar Taylor Marshall, what these people have said. Nothing, believe me. Okay, however, the text of, this is where we, the turning point comes here. However, the text of Fiducia Supplicans quietly reaffirms here and there the traditional and biblical doctrine that sexual activity is morally legitimate only within genuine one-man, one-woman marriage. So it is not heretical. You got that? not heretical, okay? Indeed, the silver lining to this dark storm cloud over the church is actually good news for another reason. It has resulted in a line being drawn in the sand that will prevent the German and other uber-progressive bishops from getting their way in the final session of the Synod on Synodality later this year. Don't think that all pro-LGBTQ Catholics are as happy about FS as Jimmy Martin is. Some are scornfully dismissing it as a weak-kneed, half-hearted compromise. I saw one Spanish website last week saying LGBTQ Catholics are fed up with being treated like dogs who are expected to be content to eat the crumbs of mercy falling from the Pope's table. Folks such as these demand nothing less than full-throated pontifical declaration that gay is okay with no ifs, ands, or buts. That is a formal reversal of the tri-millennial Judeo-Christian doctrine that sodomy is objectively and intrinsically immoral. Well, they definitely won't get that now. 
Pope Francis and his new doctrinal chief, Cardinal Tuco Fernandez, evidently taken aback by the unprecedented and immediate pushback of legions of bishops against their gay blessing declaration, a far stronger reaction than the cautiously worded resistance of some bishops' conferences to Humanae Vitae half a century ago, are being forced to defend the document by highlighting its conservative side, pointing out that it upholds the basic Christian doctrine that all sexual activity outside of authentic marriage is immoral. And now they have been forced to etch that line in the sand very clearly. Francis and Tuco will know that if they were to try erasing it in October to please the Northern European radicals. They would not only destroy their own credibility, but would elicit a thunderous rejection from the whole of Africa and elsewhere that it would make the present resistance to FS look mild by comparison and pass and perhaps risk formal schism. Father Harrison failed to mention that we are already in a state of informal schism, as I pointed out in my article on Michael Voris and Bishop Strickland. Have you read that article? It's in the January issue of Culture Wars magazine. It's available right now. Go to culturewars.com and buy a copy because anything I say here is crude compared to what I wrote in the article, crude and incomplete, uh, much as I love what I'm saying here. Okay? Michael Voris is for some reason incommunicado. But Bishop William Bishop Strickland put wind into the sails of the de facto schismatics on the Bishop Strickland show produced by LifeSite News when he said, please pray for Pope Francis to turn from this destructive path. It would take a miracle, but with God, all things are possible. Michael Matt's newspaper, The Remnant, responded to FS by linking it to a bogus lightning strike in Argentina, claiming that this is, quote, this is a sign from God that Francis has either lost the papacy or never had it. Okay, continues. As fascinating as this possible sign is, oh, it's a possible sign now. Okay. Francis has given us many reasons far more persuasive than this to question the legitimacy of the claims of his papacy. I think that's what this is about. We have little popes here uh, contesting uh, the Pope in Rome. Uh, for who, Who's got priority here? One could, uh, for example, argue that the document Francis released the day after the apparent lightning strike. Wait a minute. We're back to the lightning strike, but now it's an apparent lightning strike which authorizes the blessing of some of same-sex unions is a greater indication that he is an anti-pope. Well, okay. If he's the anti-pope, who's the real pope? Is it Michael Voris? Oh, no, wait a minute. He, he's going, we're, we're not talking about him anymore. That guy went down the memory hole. I tried to bring this up six years, seven years ago. Uh, no one listened, and now we're not going to talk about Michael Voris anymore. Is it Bishop Strickland? Is it John Henry Weston? Is it Michael Matt? Who's the new pope? We know who the anti-pope is. Now, who's the new pope? And for those who have understood the theology behind the synod on synodality, that ongoing process makes fiducia supplicans look relatively Catholic in comparison. Well, that's exactly what Father Harrison said, but from a completely different point of view. Well, it turns out there was no lightning strike, but no matter, its meaning is clear. So if the lightning strike is a message from God, why now? 
whether or not we trust the reports of the lightning strike, it does appear that we have seen evidence of the progressive manifestation of Satan's influence over Francis and his collaborators. Thus, even though Francis' latest heresies may be no more heretical than many others he has promoted, most of which have their roots in the Vatican II revolution, no one, I would wager to say, has done more research into the attempts to subvert the Second Vatican Council than I have. I'm the one who talked about Malachi Martin working for the Jews. We are the ones who brought out the uh, the story of John Courtney Murray working for the CIA. And yet, I'm not calling it a revolution. You can't have 2,000 bishops together and suddenly say uh, they're all wrong. They got it all wrong. I've told you what the problems are with Nostra Aetate. It's the undefined term anti-Semitism. These people are collaborating with the Jews like Mark Tannenbaum to say that this was a break in church teaching. No, we have, once again, politics making strange bedfellows here. There is something noteworthy and perhaps theologically significant about the reality that more people are noticing Francis's heresies and wickedness. So is this guy the new Pope? Do you want to follow him? How about Michael Voris? You want to follow him? Oh, wait a minute. Nobody's talking about that anymore. Nobody wants to follow Michael Voris anymore for some reason or other. Well, he was Pope in his own mind for a long time, you know, and people threw a lot of money at him because he scratched their itching ears. Uh, but now he's not there anymore. Okay. On his own podcast, John, Henry Weston described the claim that uh, FS cannot be seen as doctrinal opposition as baloney. <laughs> Once again, we got these boys can't come up with anything better than slang. Baloney. Not even current slang. In another tweet, LifeSite News reported that former Governor Christie of New Jersey, quote, endorses homosexual marriage uh, and citing, this is, LifeSite News citing Pontifex's same-sex blessing document. So what did I say before? By now, it should be obvious that the LifeSite News crowd and the James Martin crowd are of one mind in claiming that F.S. Fiducius Supplicans endorsed gay marriage in spite of the fact that the document said the exact opposite. People like this have no respect for the truth. They are, in the words of St. Paul in 2 Timothy 3, wicked imposters who go from bad to worse, deceiving others and deceive themselves. They insinuate themselves into families in order to get influence over silly women who are obsessed with their sins and follow one craze after another in an attempt to, to educate themselves but never come to knowledge of the truth have nothing to do with people like that. That's my rant. Let's hear what you have to say. All right. Hello, everybody. This is the voice of Mike Pajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant. Uh, time for the uh, Q&A section of our show. Uh, quick rules for those who are new. Uh, Collins are made in our Telegram channel. The link will be in the description uh, of wherever you're watching it. In Telegram, I will call on those who raise their hands and then later in the stream, we'll read off text questions from the chat. Um, try to keep questions on subject. Uh, try to keep to one question. Be respectful of time. And do not forget to unmute yourself. Okay, time to 
jump to telegram over here let's go with aw go ahead aw hi good evening dr jones good evening um i have a, a question relating to the schofield bible um how how do we know which bibles are derivatives of the schofield bible um in other words which bibles are the wrong ones so to speak i i can't answer that question i i've i've referred this before to uh, robertson genesis he knows a lot more about bible translations than i do uh i i would simply say if it's repeating the same thing it's obviously influenced by it but i can't give you the names of bibles that have are descended from the schofield bible i can't do that. i don't know don't know their names oh I was, I was perhaps I, I was thinking of the Gideon Bible. Well, it's a good question. I can't answer the question though. <laughs> I'll, next time oh, I'm okay. in a hotel, right. next time I'm in a hotel room, I'll look it up. Okay. All right. Thank you, Doctor Jones. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, AW. Let's go to uh, Dan McGee. Uh, go ahead, Dan. Hey, Dr. Jones, how you doing this evening? Good, good. Um, two questions. One's kind of a non sequitur. Sorry, Mike. Um, so uh, the Holocaust narrative, have you gotten any serious feedback from like ADL or B'nai B'rith or any of these Jewish organizations about it or has it been kind no, of dynamic? No, silence? absolutely not. Dynamic silence all the way. They are scared to death of this book. I guarantee you that. And they are not going yeah, to Yeah, I'm reading it and it's got to be like, it's, there's no, there's no way to, um, for them to discuss this. There's, there would be no way to get a footing to talk to you at all about this. It's such a, it's, it's a damning, I mean, it's a fan. I've been reading it for years, Dr. Jones. It's a fantastic book, but I just, I'm reading this. I'm like, there's no way like Abe Foxman or anybody's going to even talk to you about this. No, no, it's dynamic silence. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly the way they're treating it. The cure, the the feedback I'm getting is from the Nazis, and oh. now and now I'm getting feedback from the Poles, the Poles and the Nazis. So basically, what I what I'm concluding is that the pol the not the the uh, the the Jews and the Nazis have all agreed on the narrative, okay, and that narrative completely excludes any. Uh, notion that Catholics were involved in this story. Completely excludes it. The only difference between Jews and Nazis is who's the hero and who's the villain. So they just right. flip the narrative upside down. But it's basically, they, the, the Nazis accept everything that the Jews say, but they say, well, Hitler was good, though. Uh, that's the only story. I'm trying to say that the entire Catholic participation in the whole story of the concentration camps has been written out by a collaboration between Jews and Nazis. And, and the, the Poles are now joining, joining in this uh, in a surprising way as well. But uh, just a, in, in, this is what is leading me to write the, um, another chapter, uh, which will be in the next edition of this. Uh, it will also appear in Culture Wars magazine uh, sooner than you will see it there. Uh, but uh, I've, I've, which is to restore the Catholic narrative. Yeah. To restore Dachau as the paradigmatic concentration camp. That was the one that was created first. And the first people to send to be Dachau to Dachau were Catholics. 
And this has all been written out of the narrative. Uh, that's that's uh, that's the reason that's the reason I, I, I'm doing this. That's what I have to. That's what I have to say. Yeah, I think I think your work, honestly, this founding shibboleth of the Holocaust narrative of the American Empire, of the State of Israel, this Jewish power that we have right now. I think it's going to. I think and from your lips to God's ears, in your lifetime, we will see this thing disintegrate. I'm sure of it. Well, I said, you, as you said, from your lips to God's ears, from your mouth to God's ear. I know. I've already mentioned this. I, it was on a, a, a one of my Twitter. Uh, statements, one of my tweets, that Netanyahu is now invoking the Holocaust narrative because he knows he's in trouble. Every time a right. Jew gets in trouble, he says, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. My, when you when you confront Mayorkas and say you're a disaster, you're not defending the southern border, he says, I, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. Now Netanyahu is saying the same thing, and he's saying he was justified in the ethnic cleansing and genocide of the, the Palestinian people because of the Holocaust. And there's a sense in which he is carrying on that tradition. It wasn't the Nazi. Yeah. Well, let me, I don't look, I don't, I'm not defending Nazis. That's why the Nazis <laughs> are mad at me. Okay. I'm not defending Jews. That's why they're mad at me. Okay. But the point here is that uh, this was a horrendous crime against the German people that has been completely dis disguised and no one is talking about. 14 to 17 million Germans were ethnically cleansed after the war was over. And those people were subjected to horrible treatment on the part of the, the Poles and the Czechs uh, and all sorts of other people. And this story simply has, it's every bit as invisible as the participation of the Catholics uh, in the uh, in Dachau, and it's my uh, I just feel it's my duty to tell the whole story, and that's what I'm going to do. I got I got confirmation of this just recently. Heinrich Brunig, this is part of the story that I'm still going to tell, uh, got spirited out of Germany by um, George Schuster, uh, a, a sinister figure, uh, and was interviewed by the FBI. And the FBI did not like Bruni at all because he was a German patriot. He was a Catholic who had been persecuted by the Nazis. He escaped because the Central Party uh, was being uh, assassinated by Nazis at this point. Uh, he came and he told the FBI at the beginning, Catholics were the main enemy of the Third Reich. And, and at the end... Uh, it was you still had Goebbels all the way at the end saying, "Look, we got to finish this war, but as soon as this war is over, we're going to settle our scores with the Catholic Church." That's part of the narrative, completely written out of the narrative. It's time for this to come out. It's time for the full story to come out, and it's time to put an end to this being used as an excuse for genocide, which is exactly what's happening in Gaza right now. That's right, Dr. Jones. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, Dan. Let's go next to Frank Carmel. Uh, go ahead, Frank. Hey, Dr. Jones. How are you? Good. Oh, so anyway, I wanted to, um, because uh, Jeffrey Epstein's been in the news lately, yeah. um, I have this idea. I, I don't know if you've ever heard it before that... Uh, that there's a parallel between the great Gatsby and uh, Jeffrey Epstein. 
And uh, next year is the 100 year anniversary of the publication date. And it takes place in 1922 after World War One. Right. So, so yeah, the idea is just that, that, that he was running this, this house with all these parties, you know, similar to uh, Epstein, inviting all these famous and uh, rich people, and uh, that he could have been uh, using that to to get blackmail material for for his um, the person he was working for, who was uh, the Meyer Wolfsheim, was the the Jewish character. I don't read it that way. I mean, I'm familiar with no. the Great Gatsby. Uh, you've got to compare a completely different situation. Jay, his real name was Gatz. He was trying to assimilate right. uh, into the wasp culture, just as uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald was. He was a Catholic who was trying to be accepted by the wasp elite when they really had a wasp elite. Believe me, the 1920s was their, their heyday. He, uh, I think uh, Gatz, right. uh, Fitzgerald got kicked out of Princeton because he was a drunk. He never got over being a drunk. Uh, uh, but uh, this difference is that the Jews are in power now. <laughs> They're not. It, there's a, a story by a guy named uh, uh, William Cash who wrote about Hollywood. He said the, the Harvard guys, when they go to Hollywood, they dress in tracksuits and wear the Star of David. They're trying to make it into a Jewish world. It was the total reverse at the time of Gatsby. And on the other right. thing is, I don't see any evidence that Gatsby was blackmailing those people. I mean, he was talking to, he was talking about Meyer Wolf's Wolfsheim, he had bets in with him. He was working. He's a Jew who's working with another Jew, and that's how he's getting his money. So in that sense, maybe he's more like Bankman Freed than he is like uh, Jeffrey Epstein. I don't see any evidence of, of blackmail in the great Gatsby. Right. Well, you know, I, I just think that uh, the narrator, Nick, is, you know, one of these unreliable narrators, and he kind of uh, idolizes Gatsby himself. So he he doesn't really see what's going on. That's that's where. And and uh, the what's the name of Daisy's husband? Tom Buchanan. The yeah, Tom. I mean, he has the role of, of like you said, the wasp, and he even espouses this uh, uh, Nordic superiority right. yeah. theories yeah. and things yeah. like that. He mentions he says the guy's name is Stoddard, but the real name is Goddard, and it's it's one of these racial tracks that was famous in the 1920s. Yeah, like Madison yeah. Grant. Yeah, so it, it kind of predates, you know, because this is all happening, uh, you know, before the the rise of the Nazis. But, you know, they were they were active at that time. Yeah, um, yeah this so. is the same time that Hitler was coming to power in in uh, in Munich in in Bavaria. The uh, right, well, right. the beer hall putsch was that I think that was twenty four. So it was right right around the same time. Twenty four, I think, sounds right. Yeah. yeah so, I, yeah. and I'm saying, uh, what is what is the dynamic here? It's Protestant, Catholic, Jew. That's what uh, obviously yeah. Catholic uh, in the sense that Fitzgerald is a Catholic. Nick Carraway doesn't tell us what he is, but he's obviously the, oh, the right. Fitzgerald the Fitzgerald narrative, the the narrator. But it's Protestant, right, Catholic, Jew. It's not white boys. There's nothing white about that. You can't understand that from a, a point of view of white guys, even though Tom Buchanan is advocating the uh, uh, the eugenics uh, uh, racial line in that uh, by referring to that book. Right. Well, anyway, yeah, I I, I would just um, reread Great Gatsby, and next year is the hundred year anniversary, and and we are getting into this period where there's going to be all these hundred year anniversaries of all the things that happened in Germany and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, all right, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, thanks, Frank. Let's go next to Alejandro Hiera. Uh, uh, go ahead, Alejandro. Hello, Dr. Jones. Hello. Uh, Happy New Year. Hello. Same to you. Uh, I met your work through the articles of Jonas C. Alexis in Veterans Today. Uh, very great articles. Uh, and he has an interview uh, uh, with Gerard Menwin. I don't know if you know him. Uh, he is a former Jew. I think he's a Catholic now. He's, the, he he's, the, he's the son of Yehudi, the violinist, right? Yeah, the violinist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he has an amazing book called uh, Tell the Truth and Shame the Devil. It's about uh, the Holocaust revisionism. And he dedicated, at the beginning of the book, it says, uh, dedicated to Germans and to humanity. So he took it, like, really serious. Uh, and I don't know if he knows about your work of the Jewish revolutionary spirit, but at the end he gave sort of a conclusion about uh, Jew, uh, Judaism being like a bacteria, like that just attaches to anything alive, like a cancer. Uh, but of course, uh, the theological thesis that it's uh, a spirit is more plausible, but it's an amazing book too. That's how I got into uh, the revisionism and then I jumped to your work. Uh, I just wanted to ask you if you, if you knew about uh, his No, work. I've, I've never read the book. I've never read the book. But I've heard about the guy. I knew he was the son of Yehudi. So yeah, I, I, thanks yeah, for he, bringing that up. I didn't know that. Oh, you, you're welcome, sir. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, Holly. Hondro, let's go next to Brendan Burke. Go ahead, Brendan. Hey, Dr. Jones. Hello. Uh, hey, with uh, Jeffrey Epstein in the news, I'm just wondering if you notice any parallels between him and Samuel Untermeyer. Um, Untermeyer, to my understanding, declared war against Germany well before World War II. He also had a, a, a huge park or compound in Yonkers, New York, that was dedicated to uh, Artemis, which I believe is a goddess of human sacrifice. It just seems that there's some weird temple sacrifice thing uh, with this design. These people who work for you know Zionism. Actually, I don't see any parallels there. Uh, maybe I'm missing something, but I do see. I uh, the people I see as parallel are number one, Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner ran, ex ran exactly the same type of operation in the Playboy Mansion that Jeffrey Epstein did. And also uh, Alfred Kinsey, another blackmail operation uh, done in the name of science. These are the people that I see. What, in, in, well, one thing I'll just say, pardon me. One thing I just noticed that uh, David Berkowitz, son of Sam, they seem to have operated out of Untermyer Park. It's just creepy to me. So, so. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, and David Berkowitz, they like to say he's a born again Christian, but I don't think you know too many Christians go by the name Berkowitz. No, no. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's go to Daniel Stone. Go ahead, Daniel. Dr. Jones, Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Same to you. I have a question. Um, not sure if you had a chance to see that little, there's been some snippets of some clips of uh, Brother Nathaniel, he was, uh, I guess, on the Alex Jones I show did. recently. I saw, I saw the beginning of it, yeah. 
And I was just wondering, uh, did, for those of us who are kind of fans of you and Bishop Williamson and Brother Nathaniel, you know, sharing the truth, um, is it potential that maybe we could see a collaboration, you know, about some, you know, uh, cohesive topics that you guys might share, uh, you know, some dialogue on? Is, there, is, it, is that something maybe, because I've been speaking with some friends, and they're like, man, imagine if those three kind of had a round table you know, even if it was a digital round table, cause you're all in separate places in the world, but yeah, well, just we, I think we'd all get together and agree with each other, which it would probably not be very dramatic, uh, because generally you, you want disagreement or are trying to hash out disagreement and come to a meeting of the minds. I think we already have a meeting of the minds on the, on the Jewish question. Uh, I was, people pointed out to me that, uh, brother, brother Nathaniel is right out of the gospel. It was today's gospel where uh, Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So he's a man who speaks the truth. And Jesus Christ, you know, instead of being offended by him saying that, he said, this is a man without guile. This is a true Israelite. And I think that's what uh, Brother Nathaniel is. He's a true Israelite. He's a man without guile. He's always willing to tell the truth, call a spade a spade. And I think uh, God, <laughs> I think poor Alex got more than he bargained for. Uh, I heard that he's taken down the interview now. It's no longer on his website. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. He's Brother Nathaniel is a man without guile. There's no question. Yeah, yeah, he definitely ruffled feathers. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate your time. Have a good day. You're welcome. All right, moving on here. Let's go to uh, Joe Bloggs. Uh, go ahead, Joe. Hello, Dr. Jones. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi. Right. So uh, I was reading in your latest uh, article um, on, in uh, Culture Wars magazine on um, Bishop Strickland's uh, dismissal. I just joined the chat, so you may have answered this before. But um, in it, you claim that he was dismissed because of his association with, I think it's Veritatis Splendor, the community in, um, Tyler, in Texas. Tyler, Texas, yes. Yeah, um, but when I checked the source for this, it was just your conversation with uh, uh, Mike Parrott. I was wondering if there were any other uh, sources that claim because for yeah, call yeah. the official claim is that he was dismissed for not. No, uh, you no, can go ahead. Uh, Google uh, Google Simka Fisher. She wrote articles on it, and uh, da who's the guy who? Damien Fisher, I believe he's the editor of the Catholic Herald in New York. They they both have uh, articles articles on that. You can you can. What was, for, what was the first name again? Um, Sim, Simka Fisher. Sim, Sim Fisher. S I M C H A, F I S H E R. Simka, uh, this proves this proves I'm an anti-Semite. Simka, I'm endor I'm I'm uh, recommending one of your articles. <laughs> Okay, uh, that's fine. Um, thanks, I'll have a look into that. Okay, you're welcome. Thanks, Joe. We'll do a couple more here, and then we'll jump to the chat so you guys start typing in your questions. Let's go to uh, Dan McGee. Hold on. There you are. Go ahead, Dan. Don't forget to unmute yourself. Hey. There you are. Oh, right, unmute, unmute. <laughs> Just real quick follow-up. Have you seen this article that's been going around about your lovely little neighbor, Pete Baby Judge, from high school strangling dogs? Yeah, I, I saw that article. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted, wanted to weigh in on that. That's all. 
Yeah, I, I didn't see it at the time. I've been living here for over 40 years. I don't remember that appearing at the time, but there's only one paper in, uh, uh, India, in South Bend. It's the South Bend Tribune. So uh, I've seen it, and I don't know what else to say about it. It speaks for itself. Yeah, it speaks for itself. Okay, thank you, Doc. You're welcome. All right. Uh, as, as someone who went to the same high school as uh, uh, Mayor Pete, uh, could you could you describe what this article said? What was it? Strangling that dogs? he strangled a number of dogs and he was arrested for it. Or, or he, was, he was arrested. Yeah. Apparently wow. no, nothing came of it. Wow. Uh, it looks as if he's younger than uh, high school age. So he went to Stanley Clark, didn't he, for grade school? And then sure. he went to St. Joe High School after that. Isn't isn't animal abuse a sign of uh, like a, some type of psychopathy? Yeah, you're a psychopath if Psych you do that kind Jeez. of stuff. Wow, well, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, no more questions here. I'm gonna jump to the chat. Okay. And let me scroll through here on Cozy and start something good. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Kappa Mikey Groiper asks uh, Dr. Jones, "I'm coming to your event in Cincinnati on Sunday." Any words about what you will be discussing? I'm going to be talking about January 6th, the insurrection, but I'm also going to be talking about the roots of January 6th, where it came from. And in, to do that, I have to talk about the situation in Michigan. So there'll be a long, uh, uh, it's a discussion that uh, I've dealt with before. Uh, the, the, the dress rehearsal for January 6th happened in Michigan, in Lansing. And I'm going to talk about that and the, a whole history of FBI entrapment schemes, a lot of which have happened in Michigan. Uh, from a user on Cozy, I'm going to read this and then kind of expand on it a little bit because it might be an interesting question. Dr. Jones, can you send your books to the Pope? And I guess it's a good question. Has Do you know of any books that have ever gotten to the Vatican or the Pope of yours? I put, I put one of my books in the hands of Cardinal Ratzinger uh, before he became Pope. Uh, that's as far as I got. I think he eventually became Pope. Uh, no, I, I, I don't know of any other and getting any closer than that. All right. Um, from Cozy, uh, Ferned and Bag 93 asks, Dr. Jones, please make a, com a comment on uh, the presence of Stephen Hawking and other, quote, great scientists on Epstein's list. <laughs> <laughs> great minds all run in the same circle i guess they, they kind of circle around <laughs> they go down the drain so um I, I don't know what else to say about that i mean it's pretty clear that this epstein was a, a large jewish entrapment scheme uh, to basically compromise people, get them in compromised positions by having sex with uh, underage uh, girls. Um, if the maybe he didn't know that, I don't know. Is it possible that uh, I mean, you know, Alan Dershowitz was there, but he never took his underpants off. Uh, if you didn't know that this was, you thought this was just going to be what? I don't know. Uh, I suppose. We have to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I don't believe it. I think they knew what they were getting involved in, and they did it they did it willingly, and uh, that uh, Epstein got it on tape and was going to blackmail them because of it. That's simple. The classic example was uh, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. All right, from Rumble, John Devine asks, uh, 
is it reasonable to think that Francis is doing God's work when he forces schismatics out of the shadow? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a defensible statement. All right. Uh, from uh, WZ10997 on Cozy, um, Dr. Jones, uh, did you read the works of let's see, Nicholas Gomez de Davila? Uh, if yes, uh, what do you think about it? No, I haven't read it. All right. Scrolling through here. Let's see. Uh, ah, from St. Paul in Georgia. He asks, uh, do you think Francis uh, disagrees with the Knight of Columbus chapters that have banned you uh, a night from taking uh, from talking at a Knight of Columbus Hall? I say uh, Pope Francis uh, probably doesn't know who I am, even though I did contribute to one of his encyclicals. Uh, or if you're asking me, would he be uh, upset about the way the Knights have treated me? Of course he would. Any man who, uh, who has any sense of decency would realize that you can't break a contract that you signed and not be uh, uh, at war with civilized behavior. That's the one level of it. And secondly, uh, this is a fraternal organization of which I am a member. I am a Knight of Columbus. And this guy, this thug, Joe Sanchez, uh, doesn't even want to talk about it. Hey, I'm not here to debate, you know? He talks like some, well, anyway, I don't want to get into that. Okay, but uh, of, no one can defend this behavior, including people from the Knights of Columbus, uh, people I've talked to who will not defend it. Okay, it's that simple. All right, um, where was it? Here it is, uh, from uh, Alex Great. Uh, Dr. Jones, have you seen the Stu Peters interview on Alex Jones uh, since he was a pretty, he has a pretty big audience? Yeah, I did see it, yeah. And what'd you think about Good. it? Good, I think Steve, Stu Peters is a, a, man, a, sh a straight shooter, uh, a man who calls it as he sees it. And I, 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 the bigger question is, what is Alex Jones doing here? Is he trying to... Um, expose these people is he trying is he open to what they're saying uh does he want to go down that road uh, other people have said that the the simply the the chain of events most recently including most recently the events in gaza have forced the jewish question to the forefront of everybody's mind uh this is this is saint paul saying that the Jews are the people who killed Christ and they are enemies of the entire human race. This is an empirical statement now. Uh, it's made because uh, it, it was, what should I say, vindicated. St. Paul was vindicated by the recent uh, vote at the United Nations where uh, uh, to defending the rights of Palestinians. Uh, it was 147 to 4. United States, Israel, Micronesia, and Nauru. Now, maybe you don't know about Nauru, okay? It's the original shithole country, okay? And I don't mean to offend the Nauris or whatever they are, but basically Nauru is a small island in the middle of the Pacific that is so far from anywhere that migratory birds have to land there. Uh, 
uh, and they left their droppings there for centuries. And it was a huge, rich deposit of guano, which is a great fertilizer. So it was like one big blob of bird shit in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It was eventually too valuable to be left there. So it was mined. It was all taken away. And when the shit was removed, there was a hole left. So it's the original shithole country. This is the status of the United States of America. We have been dragged into total and justified isolation because of America's policy supporting Israel. It's the only reason we are pariahs for the entire world because Israel runs our political system. Sooner or later, we're going to have to break this, uh, break up this relationship. It's going to have to go. Okay, and I'm saying that this may be the reason, this is why everyone is talking about the Jewish question. Now, Alex Jones has to talk about it. You're in a situation, either you talk about the Jewish question or you're not talking about the world as it exists. You know, so we have all the paid prostitutes, the prostitutes who write for mainstream media, whose job is to exclude it. And then there's everyone else. Well, when are you going, your rest of you guys going to get with the program? This is what's on everybody's mind. And that Alex Jones interview with Stu Peters and, uh, and brother Nathaniel are just a manifestation of that. So good, good for Alex Jones. Even if he did take down brother Nathaniel's, at least he's dealing with reality. Uh, from Odyssey, we have a question um, for from Carolota. Uh, Dr. Jones, why is Jordan Peterson still denying the logos after his wife has accepted it and converted to Catholicism? What's going on there? He's co-opting the logos. Watch his uh, video of um, where he talks about the logos in front of the library of Celsus in Ephesus. Watch that video. This is a man who sent off the, the, the Jews who run his uh, camp, run his operations, sent him there to basically distract attention from, I hate to say it, but it's E. Michael Jones. I'm the guy who wrote the book called Logos Rising. Okay. Jordan Peterson has never come close to writing a book of that scope. I don't want to blow my own horn here, but when it comes to something like metaphysics, uh, Jordan Peterson is an ignoramus. I'm sorry, Jordan. I hope you're not offended by, I mean, it in the positive sense, you know, that you may be a nice ignoramus, but you're completely out of your depth when you try to talk about Logos and you made a fool out of yourself when you stood up in, in front of a crowd at the library of Ephesus and tried to pretend that you know what you're talking about. You don't, you don't. And this is the embarrassing situation you will continue to be put in if you let the Jews control your operation uh, at the uh, Daily Wire. From Atomic Fitness on Cozy, any recommendations for an amateur writer and artist that has formed uh, storytelling in an irreligious context? The, uh, you can uh, get your book published by Amazon. You don't need a publishing house. And then it's your job to market it. And they, they will help you if you tow the party line. And uh, if, if it's not offensive to them, then, you, you know, go for it. There's plenty of opportunity here. From Post No Bills on Cozy, do you think Pope Francis is trying to change the church's culture? Yes, I do. Uh, I, think that, uh, I think that he came in on the, uh, after... Ratzinger. Ratzinger was the first American pope. 
I think he was a conservative. I think he was too close to the American empire. I think he internalized the commands of his oppressors. And I think that uh, 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 Bergoglio uh, coming from South America, uh, 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 which has suffered enormously, Argentina has suffered enormously at the hands uh, uh, of the Jews, uh, felt that he couldn't say anything about Jews. And so he decided to attack America. It's clear that uh, Bergoglio has a visceral hatred of American conservatism, a visceral hatred that is being stoked by people like James Martin and the American, uh, the American Jesuits, the editorial board at American Magazine. Uh, he's a man who uh, it clearly shows his animosity toward people he doesn't like, and that's clearly what he doesn't like. And, you know, okay, I, I can accept that. I don't like American conservatives either. Um, uh, I, uh, conservatism now means it, it's a front for Jewish interests. That's all it is now. All it is, whether it's gay marriage with uh, uh, conserv what's it called? Turning Point? Whatever that guy is. Uh, Kirk? Is it Charlie Kirk? Yeah, Charlie Kirk. Yeah, trying USA. to introduce his gay buddy there into mainstream, mainstream homosexuality. Uh, that's mild compared to the conservative support of genocide in Israel. So the Pope has every right to be mad at people like uh, the American conservatives, especially when you have a guy like uh, George Weigel, uh, who is a front man for Jewish interests, uh, talking about as if there's somehow we have a Catholic duty to support Israeli genocide. This is crazy. And I can imagine how a Pope would be upset for someone using the Catholic faith to ad ad advance uh, a completely repugnant and alien agenda. Uh, from uh, Funky Goy, uh, question, comment. I watched your conversation with Jim Goad uh, I found it bizarre that he thought you were calling him gay. I didn't call Did him you, gay. Were you calling him gay? Well, I I didn't I don't remember that part. But then someone else in the comment box kind of mentioned it. I don't no. know. I guess any any comment on the discussion? No, I I, I thought it was a good discussion. I, I enjoyed discussion. talking to Jim. We're both Philadelphia boys. We both went to Temple University. Uh, we're both Catholics. Uh, he was baptized a Catholic. He is now in rebellion against the Catholic faith because of sexual liberation. Uh, I tried to bring that to his attention. I think he was a little shocked when I told him that. Uh, but uh, I never, I never said he was gay. No, I don't think you're calling. Him gay. Maybe, maybe the listener was just kind of confused because you're, because uh, you did kind of jump on, like, well, let's talk about your sexuality. So I maybe, said that. I yeah. said, let's talk about your sexuality. I, he's a heterosexual. I never said any, made the slightest indication that he was a, a homosexual. Maybe you're confusing me with my, me talking about Michael Voris. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. From Sandman4224 asks, um, is there a rift between you and Nick Fuentes? It seems to favor the opinion of Jared Taylor on white. Uh, not that I know of. I have no rift. I have no beef with Nick Fuentes. I was on his show once. Uh, I just, I just haven't, you know, our paths have not crossed uh, for, for years now. But no, I don't, there's no, no rift at all as far, as far as I know. Cool. All right. From Whiskey November. Uh, interesting one. We get this sometimes, I think. Um, a question. Should Catholics circumcise their child for medical reasons?
Well, well, let me put it this way. They should certainly not circumcise them for religious reasons. Right. All right. Uh, from SS Tiger, uh, what is the origin of the term Nazi? Nationalsozialist. It's not a pejorative term. It's simply, the, the Germans do this all the time. So the Nationalsozialistische Deutsche Arbeiterpartei the National Socialist German Ar Worker Party. That's the full title. And it's too long to say, so it has to be sh shortened to Nazi. National Sozialist. Okay, they did this other things. The Junge Sozialisten in Deutschland, uh, that was the, the, the youth branch of the SPD party. It became Juso, Junge Sozialist. Even airplanes, uh, the Stuka was a dive bomber. It was a Sturzkampfflugzeug. Sturzkampf means dive bomber. So it got shortened to Stuka. There's nothing pejorative about Nazi. It's just a, a common parlance in Germany to reduce long, unwieldy names to, to short, more usable names. All right. Well, it's uh, six o'clock. Want to do one, two, three more? What do you got? Let's do two more. All right. There's a good question here. I just missed it. One second. Ah, there it is. From uh, Tommy Kidd. Uh, what colleges would Dr. Jones recommend for theology, Thomism in the USA? I, I, I can't. I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I just, I can't. There are, there are there none in the United States? Even some that are, maybe they don't teach you way too well, but they're not damaging? Well, I mean, you know, you can go where uh, we had a recent experience here with a young lady who converted to Catholicism. I think I had something to do with her conversion, who then went to uh, Notre Dame to study theology. And she dropped out after year because she just found it intolerable. So, you know, I, 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 I just what 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 do, what would Jordan Peterson say? I, I, I don't know. I just can't. I can't do it. Yeah, there's my answer. Yeah, there's the I can't. <clears throat> Uh, all right, last question here uh, from Rumble from AO45. Uh, any suggestion for breaking down resistance of a wife that was raised Calvinist and staunchly anti-Catholic? She's mostly informed against Catholics by Mike Grendon's track. Yeah, you can uh, uh, re read my works. Re look, go to the, uh, the latest, the December issue of Culture Wars magazine and read that article um, about uh, Calvin's and his secret, his secret life. A and in that article, you will read about uh, all of the, the Achilles heel, this, the uh, moral Achilles heel of all of the Protestant reformers. And if she's willing to do that, then just pray that her eyes will be open to something that was a bad idea from the beginning. You can also refer to me and my uh, understanding of American literature and people like Hawthorne and Emerson and Melville. The one thing that united America in the 19th century was hatred of Calvinism. So anyway, that, that might help. Well, there you are, guys. Thanks again. This was EMJ Live. Once again, it's every, every Friday at 5, uh, uh, come hell or high water. If you're not already, culturewars.com, that's where the magazine is. Subscribe. Subscribe to culturewars.com. All of Dr. Book, Jones' books are at fidelitypress.org. Telegram, Cozy, BitChute, Rumble, all you guys follow, subscribe, all that stuff. I have no announcements. Dr. Jones, last words. 
have nothing to do with people like this. There you are. All right, guys. See you next week. God bless.